Is this is this going? Been going. It's been going. Been Shit. going. Here I am, adjusting my mic. Tickety tackety. How's it going? Um, pretty how, good. How, how is the regular sleep routine going? Dude, Much better. Sharice and I actually talk at reasonable hours. Much better. We like talk I said, at, talk the, at four a.m. Oh, to one another. Yeah. We talk at ten a.m. Yes, ten a.m. Honestly, 2 ten a.m. is kind of early for me. Three p.m. Completely reasonable working hours. How amazing was that? We were working at the same time yesterday in the afternoon. This is Making It Up, co-hosted by myself, Sharice Poon, and Eugene Can. We come together on a weekly basis to talk about things that we are interested in, have questions about, want to get each other's thoughts on. Making It Up is produced by Megan, which is original storytelling at its purest, through captivating audio, engaging words, and beautiful visuals. Making It Up is an exercise in analyzing and dissecting important movements in creative culture. It's an opportunity to sound off in each other and make sense of the complex, intertwined world we live in. We try to come to some sort of conclusion in order to be helpful to you, our listeners, but really, we are working through things and we appreciate you working through them with us. If you like what you hear and want to help us keep going, you can support us on patreon.com slash Let's get into it. It's a heavy one today. I feel like that's what you were craving. Oh, not man. Not catching up and having to feel the call because yeah. you're not really working when you're taking a call. It's you're true. You're downloading information to process at a different time. You're not. And I, well, also what I was really craving was just being able to sleep well and be awake and alert. And, you know, I feel better now. I physically feel better. I've been getting decent sleep lately. Have you really? I figured it out. I, f- I thought like a week ago I talked to you when you weren't sleeping Mouth well. tape. Earplugs. Eye mask, melatonin, done. You should try Pools. my sleep routine. But should... I have been sleeping well and I don't need all of that. No, but you could sleep better. Maybe. I could sleep better. I realize that I have I have a really high dosage of melatonin. Like it's not normal. Like that the, 12 the milligrams. 12 milligrams? It's considered what, high. What's normal? I think three to five. Oh, that is what I take. Sometimes. Yeah. I don't even take it every night. I will take three or six depending on... Anyways, there's like a photo booth across from us right now. We're recording out of FM Below Ground. Last week, we recorded from Eugene's place because of his footy priorities. But we are back in FMBG today. And there is a NYPD, which is a band, not the New York Police Department. You got to say in Chinese. Nanyang Pai Dui um, pop up across from us. And there's a bunch of people taking photos. It's very very, um, cute and energetic. Yeah. Kids these days. So much energy, so much vitality. You say that like we're not young. Dude, we're not. I'm we are not. young relative Dude, to other people. Body's falling apart. Okay. Well, on that. We have a very heavy, I would say. Yeah, I know. Why? You say that with some sort of, I'm actually interested and excited. Oh, what, what, what did I say it with? Well, you. Reservation. Uh, yeah. I said it with yeah, reservation. I know. Always worry about saying the wrong thing, Eugene. I thought we We'd sort of established a platform where a lot of wrong things will be said. That's true. I mean, it's in the title. The podcast is called Making It Up. So, that, like, low key, that's a pretty good name. <laughs> After like 160 episodes, it's a pretty good name. It's like a, a way to provide context that allows us to really just say and not say anything, but you know, we're you not know, really it, held. It sets the expectation. Yes. Okay. What I'm trying to say is that. The name itself removes a lot of liability. Not to say that we don't feel accountable. Of course. We do. It removes accountability. 
but we still feel okay anyway i guess we should just get into it people are gonna be like what are they talking about all right so this is a conversation i'll go first that probably i mean it's like a two-parter today anyway i don't know if there's gonna be this clear distinction from part a to part b because i picked my news quotation marks to supplement what you're talking about to just like provide maybe a different angle all right so the topic this week is chinatown market rebrands for those unfamiliar chinatown market it's a streetwear brand started by mike sherman started i think around 2016 and the reason why i remember this is because they debuted at complex con and we did complex con in 2016 i think as macon so prior to chinatown market mike had done uh, icny which is a call it a 3m focused streetwear brand Right. That unfortunately, due to souring investor relations, investor sort of relationships, yeah. uh, end up closing down. Yep. So and then Chinatown Market, if I'm going to be honest and like I'm, I, I think it was actually like a, a idea that was spun up quite quickly. Like it wasn't something like, oh, I'm going to build this new super amazing brand after ICNY. It was more like, hey, like here's like a quick and I don't want to say dirty in like the pejorative sense, but it's more like, hey, here's an opportunity to start a brand. and. Mike does have a good track record of brands, I would say. Well, I guess retrospectively now with Chinatown as well. And ICNY. ICNY was well-liked, well-received, well-liked. It didn't... Less polarizing. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't polarizing and generally well-received and it only shut down for sort of couple of conflicting reasons. Which isn't the point. I was going to say what I think the word you're looking for is casual. Like Chinatown yes, Market, when it started, fair. was very casual, sort of a weekend project type of vibe. Yes. Yeah, I think that's so a good way of it. So not like no consumer testing, no, uh, you know, fo- focus group research yeah. type of thing. It was like, oh, here are some really cool graphics. Let's print these, put some tags on them, yeah. see how it goes. And then... Lo and behold, you know, five years later, they're shipped quite, internationally yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, quite well like, recognized by a certain group of people. You know, like I, prior prior to, to Chinatown Market, like I had an, an existing friendship with Mike and we still have like a friendship. So I probably am taking an alternative take, but I think my alternative take is also informed by, call it identity, call it even just where I am in the world. Oh, I was going to say, should we say at the top of this for people that you and I are not Asian American? Sure. Maybe necessary? I don't know. I don't because know. we sound, our accents yeah. will lead people to think that right. Eugene and I have maybe more connection to the States than we actually have. But neither you, of us. more so than me. I've never lived in these States. I've well, never... no, I meant by the accent type. Correct, like, correct. If you didn't know anything about our personal histories... You might think we're American. You might even think we're recording this in the States somewhere, yes, but we're yes. not. We're located in Hong Kong. Um, I did grow up as a kid for some years in the States, but the majority of my life I've spent in Hong Kong. Eugene is Canadian, born and raised in Canada, and then moved to Hong Kong. Yep. But the thing about speaking today about Chinatown Market rebranding and then in connection to that, the anti Asian racism in the u.s both of us consume a lot of media probably and most of content my, that comes yeah, from most of my content is probably so even if our personal sense of identity isn't within that phrase 
Asian American, we do spend a lot of time thinking and reading about things um, that are relevant, I think, to well, Asian Americans. Yeah, by virtue of it being in the English language, and that's our dominant and being consumption authored language. by people in the States. Yeah. And yeah. having friends there, et cetera. Okay. So that's just like my little bit of contextual I think background. It's important. If that's, it's, yeah. it's important. So off the air, Sharice and I were thinking about how to proceed with this because the original crux of this movement started with a Diet Prada Instagram post. I actually disagree that the Diet Prada is the crux. You don't think so? I don't. I think Diet Prada think Diet is Prada. part of it, but I think there's been a lot of people, a lot of individuals who have said that Chinatown Market should consider a rebranding and that these thoughts yeah. have been like okay. in circulation. I don't disagree with that. Like, I, I don't think, think Diet me, Prada is the originator. How's that? I think this is the one that pushed it over the edge. Sure. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. All right. So we were thinking how to best encapsulate this whole segment because I think there's quite a bit of things to go through. So what we decided yeah. upon was we can read paragraph by paragraph and then dissect parts of that. Yeah. Right. I'll say it. Yeah. And I think even before we go into it, just... A little bit more background, there has been a movement, hashtag Stop Asian Hate, that has been circulating. And if you are not in kind of North America or have been watching this, you might not be aware of that. And Stop Asian Hate arose because of over this past year, ever since the pandemic started, there has been a rise in hate-related incidents against Asian Americans throughout the country. And I thought I would just say one thing factually about that is that the organization Stop AAPI Hate, which tracks incidents, received 3,795 self-reported hate incidents over the past year, which is definitely an underreported number. So the fact of it is that there has been a rise in hate incidents, hence this movement calling to stop Asian hate. Yeah. And with that being said, uh, Eugene's going to read the first paragraph of Diet Prada's written bit about Chinatown Market. It's quite long, so please bear with us. It's time for Chinatown Market to rebrand. The white-owned streetwear brand's appropriation of a historic and culturally significant neighborhood propagates the idea that Chinatown is nothing more than a shady counterfeit market. New York City's Chinatown is a bustling culture beloved for its amazing restaurants, fish and produce markets, and countless small businesses, but it's also one of Manhattan's few remaining neighborhoods for low-income residents. In 2019, the New York City government poverty measure found that 23.8% of the city's Asian population lives in poverty. One quarter of those are Asian seniors. So let's take a pause here. Diet Prada's opening argument is that the brand appropriates a historic and culturally significant neighborhood. And they say that the appropriation comes from saying that Chinatown, the actual place, geographic place, Chinatown, is like a shady counterfeit market. I don't know if I agree with that. I disagree yeah. with that, but I do agree that there is an element of cultural appropriation. Beyond geographically calling it like a name of something. I think the element of cultural, I don't think that Chinatown market, the phrase, because where I'm, I'm coming from, from reading this is Diet Prada seems to think that pairing Chinatown with market suggests that Chinatown is a place that sells counterfeit goods. And I don't get that from the phrase Chinatown market. Like I just, oh yeah, yeah. do you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't think of market having that negative connotation. I just think of yeah. it as like, you know. I think I might've, I'm trying to think of if, if my perspective on this changes because 
first and foremost, it's a streetwear brand that does t-shirts, right? Yeah. It doesn't try to be anything more than that. And then on top of that, it, this is the part that's up for determination. And it's almost like the, the main thesis of my whole thing is that people's interpretation of a place is going to be very different. So for example, I grew up around Chinatowns in Edmonton. And while it's a much smaller city, it still has some of the elements of it. But I never thought that despite the fact it was a Chinatown, it like belonged to Chinese people. Mm. That makes sense. It was more like this was at some point a congregation of Chinese people. It's like, you know, you just like kind of do this cringe thing. Yeah, yeah, I did the cringe thing because in the States, historically, Chinatowns were what they are because Chinese people were required to live there. Yeah, yeah. As in it was uh, the law because the governments didn't want Chinese people to live elsewhere. Yeah. So segregation. That may or may not have been the case know, in Canada. May but, or may not have been the case, which is why I'm saying like the history yeah. of it is definitely racially complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like the existence of Chinatowns in the first place isn't like a nice story. It's a story about racism, yeah. about white people not wanting Chinese people to live where they live. Yeah. Right. So there's that background. And that's why I think that to use the word Chinatown is a type of cultural appropriation, because as far as I know, Mike has no personal connection to the place. But how malicious that appropriation is, I think is debatable what have you called that lower east side market it's a geographical reference to me beyond that but i think this is where like this is probably a lot of my hesitancy i also mentioned this in, like discord i'm like it's probably a lot of shit that i'm going to say that comes off as being ignorant i mean okay to focus back on like the actual writing right because that's what we said we would do diet prada says that to use the name at all is to perpetuate a negative connotation which i already said that i disagree with right and, you know, in this next paragraph, they're going to say that Chinatown Market has profited off of the use of this name while actual residents of Chinatown are living in poverty. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to highlight like this discrepancy between the amount of money that the brand is supposedly making versus like the people who are living in Chinatown. And I don't know if that's. I don't know if people buy something that says Chinatown on it. I honestly, I mean, for me, Chinatown market as a brand is defined by the smiley face. And I think that in, in essence, like the name, I mean, this is my whole thing against brands. I think brand names actually mean very little because it's well, about the whole encompassing experience. I just think the name it. was maybe poorly chosen as being really in relation to a place at all because, you know, it's, it's actually a bit odd that Diet Prada would have or anyone else would have an expectation that a brand is going to give back to a specific community. Yeah. You know, you don't say to Nike, like, oh, Nike, the word comes from Greek mythology. Yeah. So you need to give back to Greece. <laughs> Do you see Sorry, what I'm saying? I'm, I'm only like smirking because I was thinking of like the economic crisis of yeah. Greece. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we yeah. don't have that expectation, right? Yeah. Of like fashion brands. We don't even have that expectation from fashion brands that explicitly come from a specific country. Okay, so Chanel, famously French brand. Do they do anything in particular for the country of France? I mean, maybe they do, but do we even have, look, does no one says like, oh, you must give well, back to like French nonprofits. When the Notre Dame Cathedral 
burnt down or part of it burnt down. Yeah. Like LVMH donated some money. Well, that's, that would be an example. Yeah, that is a good example. But that's just what I'm saying is about like, this is maybe a, this is a branding mistake to use a place in a name. Because yeah. then there's this perception, false or not, that you're going to be like a contributor in yeah. the place that you're referencing. Yeah. And I, I think even though you said, you know, like you think of the smiley face, we can't get around the fact that it is called Chinatown Market. Like that, that's still present. Yeah. in their branding in what they're saying yeah i mean the the part that for me is hard to wrap my head around because it's once again the underlying belief that the nearest to the consumer needs to solve big systemic problems like poverty in chinatown is not the fault of a brand yeah. or a consumer no i agree. yet it's utilized as a reason why it's bad that makes sense yeah so I had this question, which is that, so I already said, I don't think that Chinatown Market casts Chinatown in a more negative light. In fact, I think, I don't know Mike Sherman personally, but part of the choice in the name seems as though you're borrowing cultural capital from the place. Like that's the idea, right? Mm -hmm. In branding is to pick something that's like going to grow in recognition in the sense that people have oh this is cool this is like noteworthy yeah. right which i think is a bit weird for me because i don't think that like oh chinatown has that perception in people's minds for anyone to like borrow from yeah well i was thinking when you said that like champagne right yeah champagne has to come from a certain region yeah, in france I, I think that that's something that's worth bringing up i think chinatown market in some ways, is its own enemy because of the size it's reached. Yeah, that this that's was true. a very small, like, you know, they say eight figures. If it was doing four figures, then nobody would care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that for me personally, no, a few months ago, a company reappropriated like a mahjong set, which oh, is like yeah, Chinese that. tile game, Asian tile game. Yeah, and I think that was a little bit different because it took a piece of asian chinese culture and actually tried to like whitewash it and make it a little bit more acceptable so i remember that it was in the very beginning of this year 2021 three white women launched this brand of mahjong sets that they'd redesigned all the visuals of but my main issue with it actually even more than the product itself was just the copywriting because they talked about the game as requiring like a upgrade for yeah it, like i don't remember the exact wording but the wording was essentially racist to say like oh the existing game isn't good yeah. enough or isn't fun enough or something like that yeah yeah like so the kind of shit on the you know original game in launching yeah. their new product i mean it was kind of funny we were in the booth earlier and there's a bunch of people wrapping up from the previous session and you i don't think you were in here you're in the bathroom and they the previous bunch of guests were aware of our topic so they went on yeah. the chinatown site and they're just scrolling through and no one really had anything negative to say. But what they did say was like, oh, like they pointed out one particular logo shirt that said China, like that could be Street X. Like it would be very interchangeable. Yeah, totally. So there's not really like a definitive visual language behind yeah. Chinatown Market beyond the smiley face. So before I had left the room and before you had arrived, I was going to bring this up as well. I had introduced this topic to Alicia and Chris who were just hanging out here. And asked them what they thought. 
And they asked me that question about, well, what does the brand look like? Because they weren't previously aware. And I told them that there are no explicitly Chinese Asian looking designs and there never have been. And I said, like, that's why that for me complicates it a little bit more. Because if if they had come out, like if Mike, his first iterations had all been dragons, let's say, then I would think, I don't know about this. Like that seems more troubling to me, like kind of a bastardized version of Asian aesthetics. Right. But it's not, like you said, it's like typeface and tie dye. It's incredibly complicated because I have a friend who's Asian, but he grew up essentially around all white people, right? Just by virtue of his skin color, but he has no connection with, like, let's say he's Chinese, right? He has no connection, can't speak Chinese, never been to China, never been to Hong Kong, never been to, like, quote-unquote motherland, any of that stuff. If Is he able to utilize the name Chinatown in a brand, even though he's culturally, you know, let's call Midwest American? It's so personal, though, right? Like that, That's actually a question that Alicia and Chris asked me as well, is, like, about Mike himself, because even though he's white maybe he does have a significant story and that becomes important at this point about because actually your friend if it in a way there might be even less of a story there yeah if he was to name his brand chinatown market versus let's 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 fabricate something for mike where he i don't know he lived in chinatown all through college and that's where he made his first brand something like that like if um, that was a hypothetical i don't know that's true but like let's say that was his story that gives more credence because my friend was also saying like well my friend was i was having dinner with my friend and his girlfriend and his girlfriend was like sometimes he says things that like if you don't look at his face and it was like any other person they'd be like that's super offensive you know what i mean it still can be offensive no but it's just by virtue of like just because he's but i think looking skinned like he just doesn't know that's what i'm saying which which I think by virtue of that. And I gave you another look just yeah. there. Because I don't think being Chinese but, exempts you from potentially being racist towards Chinese people. Like, correct. I don't think. Yeah, that's fair. Like, and not just Chinese towards Chinese people, but because you are a race, any any ethnicity doesn't mean that you can't also be racist towards people oh, yeah, yeah. who look yeah. like you or yeah. who came from the original country that yeah. your family but came what from. What I'm trying to push against is that is your ticket to entry based off of things that actually are just purely defined by a physical trait versus you having any cultural connection. I do think that if Mike had a stronger origin story, it would have gone over better in public perception in relation to the name Chinatown Market. But as we already said, it was like a casual, you know, spur of the moment type of brand thing. So he didn't think that much about like, okay, what am I going to say about why this name exists, why I started it, that type of thing. Yeah. Let's read another paragraph from Diet Product. Can can we actually read the third paragraph? Because I don't think the second, I kind of paraphrased the second paragraph already about the earnings. For a brand that claims roots and ties to Chinatown, they seem to have done very little to support them in a year that's seen a shocking surge of xenophobia and violence against the AAPI community. Their first post acknowledging anti-Asian hate was posted two days after the Atlanta shootings. While it featured a list of AAPI charities to support, there was no acknowledgement of the shooting or the victims, six of eight who were Asian women. So something that does kind of bother me about Diet Prada slash other Asian American accounts. Um, I'm sure other 
accounts are doing this too, and I'm just not as aware as I am of Asian American type accounts, is that they are acting as watchdogs and enforcing rules that I don't think most people know how to live by. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, like it's good to have accountability, but I think there also needs to be some forgiveness. I I, think it's really hard, even as an individual, to know what is the right thing to say right now. You know, it's so specific. It's like saying, okay, they did, according to Diet Prada, like, okay, good thing they featured AAP at charities. Bad thing they didn't acknowledge the shooting. But how would you know? That that's a requirement. Yes. Unless you personally deem it a requirement. No, exactly. I actually included this because especially in, in these super sensitive moments you're expected to act both quickly and correctly it's impossible it's actually it's such very an difficult especially given there's no like real guidebook to this right i think their expectation is honestly a little bit hard they're saying oh they didn't post until two days after the atlanta shooting posting two days is already quick in my opinion i mean you need to, to like, formulate think- something that is appropriate like, but that's I, like my personal stance. You see what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. oh, my personal guidelines are so different. Like, and also mm, the expectation, I guess, is a little bit different. It's like, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of someone that started Chinatown Market as purely a geographical reference. Like, whether that's right or wrong, you can agree that that's, you can agree to disagree that that's right or wrong. But what I'm saying is that in the shoes of like a brand founder, that isn't really rooted in Asian culture, but people are forcing you to be rooted in Asian culture, then you also have a different perspective on it. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, this is probably going to enter like sort of the tail end of the conversation, but you can't really tell people how they should and shouldn't feel, right? That's something I'm going to get to in, in a bit. It's more like, if you feel this way, like I can't really change that. I think there's, I think it's interesting because there's like, Okay, what do you think people should do from a moral ground versus like, oh, what is good PR? And that's, again, I've said this already, but I feel like the name has just complicated the company's own, you know, navigation around things because now they have to do so much more PR in relation to something they didn't expect they would have to do. Yeah. They're also not equipped to do, as you said. Um, But then from a moral ground, you know, like, what you're saying about personal feelings don't you can't force people to feel sympathy no you can like not at all how you feel is how you feel you can you can say from a business perspective like it would make a lot of good business sense to donate money okay also they're not required to do that by any means but that's like a more reasonable thing i think to ask of a company versus like you must mourn like you must grieve yeah. this moment in time yeah i mean that's sort of what that's the cost of doing business of being a brand today is that nothing you ever do will be good enough oh you only donated twenty five thousand. why didn't you add a zero to it i don't i don't why know what i don't know what you were planning to go into next but yeah. one question i did want to ask you is what do you think expectations are of us in this moment in time not even specifically pertinent to chinatown market which, by the way, we did do a story on, mm-hmm. so somewhat relevant, but in general, regarding Stop Asian Hate. If I'm going to be very honest, all our hard work and discussion is happening behind the scenes. I would say, like, us 
taking like we we've actually mulled over this anti-Asian hate thing for a long time. Within, Always like just in terms of like talking about it privately, like trying to arrive at today's not really conclusion, but having a foundation to talk about in a certain sense versus like, yeah, I could have had this conversation six weeks ago and it would have been a jumble of thoughts. But I think I create more crystallization with each passing day because it's not like I'm not thinking about it, right? Well, just think about public expectations in the sense that like what we're talking about for Chinatown Market, we could have also posted something on Instagram on the day of the Atlanta shootings, but we didn't. Because we don't really have that in our in our repertoire. I just don't even know how I would talk about it in a way that's actually meaningful. Like I just, sure. I, I personally think that we have limitations as a brand too, in terms of like how we address certain things. So for me, I, I okay, this is actually a really interesting segue because I was thinking to myself, does my lack of support for this whole argument around Chinatown mean that I'm anti-Asian in that sense, right? But I have a personal perspective on this in the sense that this, to me, the whole Chinatown market thing is an Asian American issue before it's an Asian issue, right? But I, I agree. But by virtue of me not being Asian American, I don't necessarily have the same ability to influence and speak on this or even have the visceral reaction i'm not from new york didn't grow up in their chinatown so for me it's like i was thinking like i'm by no means anti-asian like i actually how do i put this like maybe as a kid growing up i was like always uncertain about being asian but i've grown to understand and like my identity is quite well rooted in something that now like i just don't feel the need i need to communicate it but also communicate something that is not in my wheelhouse, right? And I think this is the one thing that's been incredibly challenging is like, and whether this is, you, you can be the, the judge as to whether this is controversial or not, but a lot of times the expectation that we have with for one another is unified by a thing that's out of our control and in many ways physical. So like, Am I, as an Asian person, supposed to be responsible for what any Asian person does? And I would say that in general, there is increasingly this sort of binary outcome where, yes, I should be responsible for what that Asian person's doing. And that's why it's so complex is being an Asian person in any part of the world, because Asian could be in Chinese, Laotian, Thai, etc. And like for me, like I've almost pushed away from that and realized that it's an impossible task for me to have the ability to both justify, defend the actions of everyone else. And I have, and I'm almost forced to because I am Asian and you're Asian, they're Asian. Yeah, sure. I feel a lot of the same complex feelings I had written in the briefing. And I've also said to a lot of my friends in the States who are Asian privately that I it's not possible for me to feel the same amount of fear or anger or disappointment or any of those emotions in relation to what's happening because I'm neither physically there nor have all of the experiences that they do within the States yeah. and being within different communities of white people, black people, et cetera. Okay. So I, I agree that it's just not possible for us to have that same like visceral emotional feeling. And actually, even the way we talk about it is more from a cerebral point of view. And I think it's in this conversation, too, where like un 
you know, critically looking at sentences or like what yeah. different words type that kind of thing mean. And that's all we can do. Right. Like we can't we we can explain to people we just don't have this experience. And therefore, when you listen to us talk about it, it's different. I, I can't I can't empathize to the same degree. It's just not true to who I am. And then the other thing I think in response to what you've said is to be Asian American. I feel like one of the key complicated things is that the use of the term is to bring about change through unity. But you really want people to recognize every single Asian American as a unique individual. Mm -hmm. And those two things are at odds all the time. You know, you, you, the expectation as a group is like, recognize us as individual unique human beings that are not all East Asian or look one way, but we must all band together yeah. in order for that change to happen. So I think that's just, I don't know the way around it. Yeah. And it's also a little bit different because unlike other communities, there's fragmentation in language, obviously culture. Like I'm not yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. all, all sort of, I think the, the reality is that there's a lot of fragmentation and yes. there is, it, it's un, it's totally unfair to say that, you know, a first generation Chinese immigrant has had the same experience in the States as a third generation Filipino American. You know, like the, the, I don't know, part of me struggles with the fact that they are grouped together as Asian American. And to say stop Asian hate seems to actually overly simplify the problem. But I understand that from a marketing from a trying to affect change perspective, you have to like simplify things. Mm. I don't know. One thing I've realized over the course of the past few months is how lucky we are to be Chinese in a place that is majority Chinese. Given the current Sinophobia, anti-Asian vibes. I don't have to think Western about world. being Chinese. One thing I wanted to read was the Chinatown Market post on Instagram that acknowledged that they were going to change their name. So it's quite long. I'll try to read um, the relevant parts. The Asian American community is rightfully demanding all of us think and act more honestly. We should have done this sooner, but it is never too late to do the right thing. Today, we are announcing that we are changing our name. We're working with our partners and retailers to donate the proceeds from existing products and work to fund nonprofits working with the AAPI community. Our name was inspired by the shops, people, and vibrance of Canal Street and Chinatown in New York, but it's not our name to use. We did not do enough to consider what this name would mean to the communities in Chinatowns across the world, and we need to take ownership of this mistake. It's time to do the right thing, and we are committed to being a part of the change. We would like to thank all of the leaders who are helping us get this right. We want to make this change in partnership with the community create as much impact as possible. We want to shout out Toda and Benny Luau and Next Shark, who have given us so much of their time and guidance. This is just the beginning. As a brand, we've always moved through action in any platform we occupy with the goal of connecting with our communities. To keep doing that, we must no longer be called Chinatown Market. We won't we will be announcing our new name in the coming months. We are deeply saddened and horrified by the increase in racist attacks and violence on the AAPI community. We encourage everyone in our community to be part of this change with us. The hate, racism, and violence directed at the Asian community has to be stopped. It was received really positively. I think it's great. I mean, like, I know we've talked a lot over whether whether the conversation was necessary, right? But Okay, regardless, I think that this is a good move for them. I mean, it gets the monkey off their back. 
And I think that it will, in the current climate, it's going to be received very well and by both Asian peoples and not Asian people. And, and it is in, Eugene's making a I think, face at me. I think a lot of people don't care. I think it's a good PR I think, move. I think outside My of- My cynical part of me genuinely yeah. thinks that it's, like you said, you said took a monkey off my back. I think it's more than that. I don't yeah. think it's just, I don't There's just think no it's just dodging a bullet, but it's increases, it boosts their reputation. Do you think someone that's buying this in Beijing cares? Like basically it's saying that like, you know, that's what I'm saying is like, in the grand scheme of things, there are people that care more. Okay, the and people in Beijing care. are not going to care specifically about this incident. But if this particular response bolsters like the local fan base and keeps it in that category of cool and current, then the people in Beijing care about that. Does that make sense? I, I think so, but it's also a stretch. It's like a domino effect. Like, I do think that I I think that if they didn't do this, it would be detrimental in a sort of indirect type of way. I, people like, would continue to criticize it yeah. and it could eventually diminish, you know, its hold in a climate where there are so many streetwear brands to pick from. Yeah. And by doing something like this, it shows, yeah. it, you know, taking action, taking initiative, doing being responsible in a way that they don't have to be as a brand. Yeah. 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 Maybe I'm a little bit too cynical. But can't you, can't you even just see it from like, I see it more branding marketing move. Well, the way I see it is that the people that were buying Chinatown market in the first place, didn't care about the name being an issue. And the people that are asking it to be changed. I wonder if they'll buy it because it's changed. You know what I mean? If I'm going to talk like, but I don't think it's like that direct is what I'm saying. I don't think that it's ever that direct that you see a brand do one specific thing and therefore you purchase a t-shirt. You don't see Nike is not using this one factory in China and oh yeah, I'm definitely going to buy the sneakers now. It's not that direct, your perception of brands. No, it is. It's not. You don't think how many people... It's not. Wait, you got to say it in my so You got to share it with the... It's not. It it's it's really people, not. It's not that how many, linear. No, it's it really is. not that linear. How many people boycott brands based off of uh, some like Kaepernick and Nike? How many people boycotted Nike? Right? How many okay, people but I don't like, think a purchase is that linear then. Right now, we've, whether correctly or incorrectly, told consumers they hold all the power, like vote with your dollars. Do you know what I mean? I think that the reality of the situation is that, yes, they have impact, but I think on the grand grand scheme i think it's actually not as consequential as it i as think what really i'm trying to say is. is that like there are actions brands do that keep them in the running for purchases but, but it's not like a single action means i'm gonna immediately go and add something to my cart no but it'll definitely stay with you like i'm that's the what best i'm saying thing, i'm not that, stay with you yeah, you, you were saying it's linear in a way like oh i read this news i'm gonna buy a t-shirt i'm saying that's not the case or they'll read the news and they won't buy it etc cetera, etc cetera. Like, I, I don't think that's the case i think, think it's more cumulative China, like, you think like let's use an example of the most recent like better cotton initiative or whatever it's called right yeah. in xinjiang you don't think people are putting a stamp out on like what brands they can and cannot buy because of that like that's what I'm saying. Like I think that's the minority way, of people. Well, then that's the thing. It's like people that were buying Chinatown Market obviously didn't care about the name, and people that are seeing the name change, I highly doubt suddenly they will buy a brand because of the name change. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I think from, there's different ways of looking at it. There's like the, the way of like proceeding with less friction, which I think is changing the name. But the reality situation is like, it's, it's classic case of the internet. The one who speaks the loudest is the one that generally wins. Okay. I think the vocal people who directly buy or don't buy the brand affect other people's perceptions around the brand and other people's perceptions keep the people who buy it, buying it or not buying it. That was a really complicated sentence. Basically what I'm yeah. saying is like, okay, for example, on that post, there are a couple of like blue tick people who've yeah. commented positively. One of them is Erica Badu, mm. famous music artist. I, we don't know this for true, if, true or not. I don't know if Erica Badu has actually bought Chinatown Market. She's but, been seen wearing it But before. her continual, okay, so let's say she's been wearing it Her continual appraisal of them, whether or not she herself purchases a t-shirt, keeps it in the running for other people as like a brand I'm going to buy from. That's what I, I mean. I kind of get it, but I don't. I mean, look at Converse, whoever, like they were all willing to collaborate regardless of the name Chinatown Market. Like, unless you think that uh, suddenly this will, like, remove some sort of, like, limitation on their ability to grow as a brand. Maybe it will. I'm happy to be proven wrong in that regard. I think both of us are conjecturing. I'm willing to say that as my concession that neither of us have the stats on whether this is right. Because you're arguing that, like, the people who buy the brand don't care about the name. And I'm arguing. But you don't know that for true. Okay. Like, you think people would buy it knowing there's all all the baggage that comes with Chinatown Market as a name. Or maybe they didn't pay attention, but then now they have. I don't know. It's possible. We don't know the effect of the name, yeah. right? I, and then I I'm wanna... saying that I think that their name change can positively impact it, even if it's not the Asian Americans who said something who are then going to buy the T-shirts. I still think that the name change can result in more sales yeah. because of a better reputation. I have like things I want to add, but I also wonder if it actually does anything to improve the quality of the conversation. Because ultimately it's like, ultimately if this began with an AAPI derived issue, right? Regardless of the name change, if this is an AAPI based issue, wouldn't you go towards uh, looking at supporting AAPI designers? Like this, this like actually doesn't really solve like, yes, they changed the name. Yes. You have that sort of moral victory, but the reality situation is like, if you are really trying to push AAPI initiatives forward, wouldn't you be like supporting people from that world? That's kind of what I'm getting. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I think in the grand scheme of things, it's like, yes, the social justice warriors. And I say that semi is a pejorative but also you know what i mean right like i mean but now this is like a ton of different argument right like this is an argument this is an argument about focus this isn't an argument i feel like what you're saying about chantar market it's about saying what should people be focusing on when confronted with a problem yeah the problem being hate incidents against asian americans right and sure i'm willing to say that there are better things people can be focused on yeah but I wouldn't then go out and shit on the people who care about this at the same time. No, you're right. You're totally right. I think for me, what I'm trying to get at is like any sort of change here. It's minor. It's more about identifying allies for your for your support towards the cause. Yeah. Like that, I'll go with that, that. That to me is like, is totally fine. But you understand why I think it becomes more of like this political play more than it's about the actual root cause 
that's what I'm trying to get at. The root cause of the name is like, in actuality, is that it's has less of an impact versus you having this this sort of line and I don't I'm lacking the words, but like let's say an army of like collaborators and people that are willing to push an anti AAPI yeah initiative. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that like for me, I mean I think we I, can look I, at it from the activist perspective in a cynical way as well. Yeah, we can we can also look at this cynically at, from the activist angle to say, oh, it's not really about caring deeply about cultural appropriation in relation to the name Chinatown Market. Yeah. It's about seeing an opportunity here to make something breaking news and, as you said, receive, get an ally. You yeah. know, receive finances from a brand and then also potentially result in collaborations with API designers. Yeah. You, that that's a cynical way to look at it, yeah. right? As like uh, one strategy for furthering a cause. I think one of the perspectives where I was like kind of arguing for the other side was really I was questioning the efficacy of this. If the real root cause, like I said, is to change the the AAPI dynamic and just like bring more awareness to it. That's kind of my thing is like, sure. I think there's better ways of approaching it. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I think there. I don't, I don't enjoy, you know, public takedowns anyway. I don't really enjoy reading diet product because a lot of it is public takedowns. And I think that's, it always makes me feel some type of way icky. And like you said, like, is this effective? This just feels like creating a lot of anger. Yeah. That's not productive and actually even hurts yourself to be focused on that. But, you know, the old, the conclusion of this, where Chinatown Market changes their name, the, f- the decision that they did that, there's no version of this where I say, oh, they shouldn't have done that. Yeah. No, like I said, I think that it's definitely net positive. But all I'm trying to say is like trying to understand and like unpack the, the challenges behind it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly frustrating. To, for me to like for not frustrating for this whole thing to play out but like it seems like one's ability to understand the situation is never clear like something new happens you're like oh you're questioning yourself well i mean because I, I do think a part lot of my that. reservation in talking about racism towards asian americans slash asians in the first place is because i don't think it's possible to talk about racism towards any single marginalized community without talking about racism against other communities so it's difficult for me to find a conversation productive if we don't address that there is a lot of anti-blackness within asian communities or that asians continue to benefit from the model minority myth that's why it's it's so complicated it's hard for me to want to talk about it because i i'm always going to be leaving something out i well, yeah, I think leaving something out is the thing because to what you just said, it's the exact same thing where everyone likes to use these broad sweeping generalizations and strokes to define things when I can say anything and you can think of a countermark, you can think of a counter argument with an example. So there really is like, well, what do you do? Right. And I, I mean, I honestly don't think that not talking about it is also a solution. Like I think yeah. this in itself has some sort of value. Yeah. Like most yeah. recently been working on a project that 
really had me open my eyes in terms of how do I put this? It's like I am not the mouthpiece that people need or want because mm-hmm. I'm not of your demographic being mm-hmm. Asian American. Mm-hmm. But I can leverage your experiences to tell other people and maybe that's as good as it gets. And I say that not because that's all I want to do, but I think that at this point in time, like me understanding your struggle is going to be different. Like here's a great example. Like Nicole and I actually got into this big like discussion a few nights ago and it was really about the different experiences of Asian immigrants. Like not every Asian immigrant is like on this straight up struggle path, right? Some move like my parents moved to Canada and they went to university and they got jobs and then other people, they came as refugees, but we're technically Asian. Like, you know what I mean? We're in the same bucket, but they had, we have two very different experiences. Yeah. Like my parents go, my dad was an engineer and another, another parent might've sold drugs or something. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? It's like, I think that's like the complexity where, yeah, call it, call it an individual privilege in a way right for me to like actually not have to worry about that yeah right i mean there's different things that they all have to share like but at the same time these are the things that make it so challenging because i have an asian american sorry i have an asian canadian experience that's just different sure right and like that itself makes it hard for me to understand how um other people do it and i think that it's hard to be empathetic to everything even though you want to be empathetic because there's not enough empathy to go around. Well, I don't know. I don't think that our personal responsibility or sorry, I shouldn't I shouldn't wrap you in that. I don't think my personal responsibility is that I must empathize with everyone's individual story, because like you said, there's not the time and energy and bandwidth for that. So I think it's deciding, you know, when is the best moment to just listen to other people's stories, to give other people the platform and space to tell their individual experiences rather than having me retell it or contextualize it or Mm. insert myself in any way like my my perspective is not always valuable it's not important that i be part of the story yeah exactly that was easily one of our longest segments to date like that was just one segment and i was like do you want to take a quick break and we can jump into your shrews yep let's do it Okay, so mine is a bit of a small supplementary piece that I think takes a different angle on the recent rise in anti-Asian hate crimes. And it's a piece published in W Magazine at the beginning of this month, written by a writer and editor who writes primarily about fashion, beauty, art, and culture named Isaiah Magzino. The title of the piece is Amid Anti-Asian Hate Crimes, I Found Beauty in Filipino Attire. And he begins the piece by saying that fashion designer Prabal Garong asked him, why are clothes chic and who gets to decide? And then Garong answered that with, the colonizers do. And this compelled Maxino to reconsider how much of his personal life he had spent studying European fashion designers and fashion houses and hadn't really spent time thinking about fashion in the Philippines, where his family is from, or what his parents and grandparents and cousins wear regularly and what meaning that had mm. for them. So it's, it's a very, it's a personal essay yeah. about his relationship to clothing. 
Um, it's he says he I'm going to quote him. It's funny because you quoted extensively from Diet Pride. I'm going to quote from him. He says they want us to minimize ourselves more than we already have. And to that, I push back by celebrating my Asianness even more. Assimilating to whiteness for survival be gone. It's time to wear our Asian cultures like a badge of honor, whether by recognizing the influence that our natural features have on the beauty industry or how our ancestors' healing practices are responsible for mainstream wellness techniques. This certainly doesn't make us more or less worthy of equal treatment, but it is empowering to truly recognize our many ways of influence. And I was a little wary about quoting that. Why? Because there is a bit in the middle of it that suggests in order for people to be worthy of respect, you have to contribute to society, which is a dangerous belief to fall into. That someone is only worth protection and not harming because of what they give. So I'm just like thinking of all the different scenarios where I actually agree, but with that statement, but also understand your hesitancy because I think that providing value is not necessarily by virtue of a quantifiable number or metric. Yeah. Like by virtue of me, like sharing something with you, like I can be additive to culture. I could, you know, share with you a dance. I could, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't see it as like, Oh, your, your economic support is what gives you value. Well, people also don't have to be additive at all in order to be worthy of respect. I so, see it, but I also struggle to understand, like, you know. Like, I there mean, are people who are disabled who can't work. Mm -hmm. it, like, they can't work in the sense that there aren't traditional jobs yeah. that will hire them in a full-time position where yeah. they can earn a salary and are therefore dependent on family members yeah. to help them out. And those people are not less worthy of your, or sorry, not you, Eugene, but less worthy of yeah. anyone's respect or protection. Yeah. And I think to, I think I bring up people with disabilities because sometimes that's a little bit more clear yeah. versus like race and ethnicity. Yeah. No. I did. Well, I mean, you totally threw me curveball because I didn't, picture from that perspective like but, I, I guess for me my, my whole thing was always like the not every, like for example let's use the an aspect around like contributing value from a financial sense right like yeah. i never felt like that was the one and only definer which is why i defaulted to that perspective as like versus you know from your perspective but it doesn't have to be cultural value either like i do see people make an argument from different ethnicities you know they it's easy to fall into this trap to say like, oh, you know, you really enjoy hip hop music and hip hop music is primarily influenced by black people and black artists. So therefore respect black people or you really enjoy eating sushi. So you should respect Japanese people. Mm. But to set up this argument where your respect of people is contingent on you enjoying something that they produce mm. is very dangerous from a larger picture yep. because there are lots of different people in the world who are not capable of producing things that you might enjoy. Yeah. So that doesn't make them less worthy of you considering them to the same degree. Mm -hmm. But I know it's tempting to set up that argument. It's te I, I understand that it's tempting 
yeah, to draw I think he did a straight really line. Good job of sort of unpacking it. He goes on to describe two types of Filipino garments. One is the barong tagalog, which is a formal wear, like a Filipino formal wear with a mandarin collar and kind of mildly transparent cloth. And the other is this Filipiniana dress with signature butterfly shoulders. And I like his. This is in. This is a fairly neutral statement. I want to say. I like the reconsideration of fashion garments throughout history. I think what I read this essay and I thought to myself, I don't know anything significant about Chinese garments through time. Mm. Like, I don't know why people wore what they did in the past or why it was cut or made the way it is. And that's kind of an interesting, um, I think that's an interesting opportunity where fashion has deeper historical stories than just like current brands. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Chinatown Market is a five-year-old brand and sure, there are stories about some of their collaborations. But I guess for me, I think the depth of ancestry and history is going to make a story much more rich. Yes. Yeah. Because that goes beyond sort of an individual's efforts. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you're tapping into like anything that might have happened in a country, like historical events. I don't even know. And he talked about Maxino says he likes he wants to be able to look at his closet and see the importance of sentiment. And that's a very person. That's a very subjective thing. I don't think like I imagine you don't look at your wardrobe at all sentimentally. No, I actually try to look at things that can be worn and. If they can be replaced, that's like a bonus. But I've stopped creating sentimental value around physical items. Why is that? It's not no point. It's like it also prevents me from using them properly, in my opinion. Like, for example, oh, I don't want my camera to get dinged up or like I'm like it's it's actually about the outcome of the quote unquote memory created than it is, you know, whatever. Like, for example, like a jacket, uh, like say you get a rip in your jacket or for whatever reason can't fix it then just buy one that you really enjoy and you can wear all the time now i think that i'm i value the ability to engage in experience more than the physical aspect that allows me to do it mm. so because a great example is like some people might buy like an expensive camera and they're like they never bring it out or they use it very sparingly what about do you develop sentiments in relation to any personal connection? Like someone gifted you something or someone handmade something? I have a watch that I got when I, when I got married, maybe. But other than that, no, actually, like, this was a conscious effort to divorce myself from, like, material things. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. Well, I mean, Maxino has a almost opposite point of view, yeah. which is he looked at his closet and he thought, okay, I, everything I've picked is, you know, of good taste, yeah. essentially. Like I've picked these things that are really well made and of good taste and I look great in them, but none of them have this personal connection to me and my history. That, that was his evaluation yeah. of his closet. And he was like, his I previous would, wardrobe. Yeah. His previous wardrobe. And he, he said, oh, I actually do want to use my wardrobe as something with personal connection, with sentiment. That's the word he uses. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I, th- I thought about it in the perspective of um, kind of like, okay, when I read books, I try to read from like a wide variety of authors of different backgrounds because I think it somehow subconsciously influences me. And that's what I think Maxino, that's, this is my interpretation of what might happen if you go by Maxino's plan, which is that your, the history of your garments might subconsciously influence you in some mm-hmm. way, depending on their origin. So if you like, if you're Maxino and you intentionally pick Filipino designers to wear and buy these traditional garments, then that might in some way affect the way you perceive yourself and the people around you. I I don't disagree with that. I think that if you can find a way to connect with your clothing on that level, then it just adds that much more value. But then it's also the rigor that you need to go through to achieve that right it's easier to just do it by function isn't it well that's what i that's what i do in my life like there's obviously a a a form element to it but i mean i'm pretty sure this is now officially my miu outfit outfit the one i'm wearing right now for the most part like yeah it's like you're you're like i was thinking about this when i came here you're like a cartoon character okay you know like like have you've seen those cartoons where it's you know, Dexter from Dexter's yeah. laboratory and he has like a closet of this, like oh, yeah, yeah, 10 of the same similar, outfit. Yeah. That's Eugene. All my socks day. are pretty much the same. My underwear is pretty much the same. Like it's all clean clothing. He's not wearing the same outfit every day, but well, he's not wearing the same articles of clothing, but he might be wearing the same outfit. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I, I really like that idea of like sentimentality around your clothing, but I think that some people and feel free to correct me, but I, I think a lot of people are challenged when they need to understand and build some sort of like longer term narrative around their emotions. Mm. So when you go and create a wardrobe around sentimental things, like maybe it is as easy as like going in and like, oh yeah, this is this is very easy. Like for some people, maybe, but I think I'm in my experience, I think a lot of people do have a bit of a challenging time to like build some sort of framework when emotion is in the mix because emotion in itself is so ever-changing so he might be interested in things that are a part of his culture today but like maybe tomorrow he's over it it's true i'm not going to push you back on that because i think sometimes people often actually people purchase clothing very much on a whim without much thought and to, to add that additional layer, okay, this is something I need, this is well-made, this functions according to the purpose I have, it's like in my size, it's in my price range, and there's like a sentimental value, like there's a lot of requirements yeah. for an article of clothing. Yeah. But maybe, I, I think it's, I'm all for slower consumption. Yeah. So if that additional like sentimental layer means you think a little bit more about your acquisitions i believe that would be a good thing and it might make your wardrobe last longer in terms of like how how well you take care of your clothing yeah okay long one today yeah that's a good place to wrap up for the day if you are interested in hearing more about making reading and listening to some of our stories focus on the sights and sounds of creative culture you can visit us at makein.com, M-A-E-K-A-N.com. You can also subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and platforms. If you like this podcast, you can do us a huge favor by sharing this podcast with a friend 
or supporting us via patreon.com slash Macon. Also, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email myself at Sharice at Macon.com or Eugene at Eugene at Macon.com. We love hearing from you. I'm Eugene. I'm Sharice. And this is Making It Up. <laughs>